good morning, folks. Today is Thursday, August 18th. Welcome to episode number 178 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 30 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing my expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break into the industry, we definitely got you covered. Definitely going to have some value here. But before we get into it, I want to say thanks. Shout out to this stream sponsor, the one and only Barricade Cyber Solutions. My man, Eric Taylor, leads that crew over there. Cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations. Barricade Cyber Solutions will help you re- resolve this ransomware attack and get your business back on track. I've said it before. I'll say it again, y'all. If you don't have a plan, like when your business gets hit with ransomware, it's like your business is on fire. Okay. Very, very, very similar uh, comparison. You call 911 if your house is on fire because there's one fire department. It's a community service. Well, businesses don't have community ransomware fire department services. You have to go get one yourself. And if your network is being depreciated, degraded, and then ultimately you're seeing ransomware notes popping up on Carl's endpoint, Kevin's endpoint, Sally's endpoint, that's not the time to be evaluating vendors, okay? You definitely want to have that kind of lined up in advance. BarricadeCyber.com definitely a good option to consider. Okay. I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs or CEUs, which I think is what my European friends call them, each episode, just like this one of the daily cyber threat briefing is worth half a CPE because we go half an hour. We go a little bit longer than that, but no one's going to dispute that we go less than half an hour. So it stacks two and a half CPEs a week, 10 a month, roughly. We do, you know, 20 episodes. So the key here is to document literally the easiest and I would argue the most enjoyable way to earn CPEs simply by saying what's up in chat. Either say where you're coming from, like Michael Allen right there is coming from Birmingham, Alabama. Way to go, Michael. Good to see you. You could say hashtag team live, right? If you are watching on replay, definitely make sure that you put a comment in too. The, The goal here is that if you claim, let's say you claim 60 credits, right? For six months of Simply Cyber's daily cyber threat briefing. And an auditor is like, whoa, 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 back it up, you know, (laughs) back the trolley up. What's all this about? You can be like, here it is. And OBT dubs, when you go through auditor and watch it, A, you'll learn something because the show is pretty awesome. And B, you'll see me say, what's up in chat? Because I was there every episode that I said I was there. So, I'll see you later. Thank you. All right. So either on replay or live, make sure you document it with with something. Say what's up. Okay. If you are hashtag team replay, thanks for catching the stream. If you're hashtag team live, I see 60 of us here right now. Very, very cool. Uh, That's just in the Simply Cyber channel. Bumping to 67 right now. Uh, We are pushing out to LinkedIn, Twitter, Twitch, um, Josh Mason's YouTube channel. Um, LinkedIn did kneecap us a little bit where you can only push to one LinkedIn live channel. Now, I think that was kind of dumb, but whatever. Um, if you're listening to this on replay or like, you know, basically YouTube or your audio podcast app of choice, because spoiler, I do a terrible job of promoting this, but this is made available on audio podcasts. So Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, all after the stream ends. So go check that out. If you'd prefer to consume it in an audio format. Okay. But if you're on Team Replay, you're in the future, so you can scrub ahead, right? If you want to get right to the news, just jump ahead like 90 seconds, 120 seconds, roughly, 
when this play card, if you're watching changes, that means that we're off and running on the news. But as I like to do every morning and chat doesn't seem to mind, because if they did mind, they would definitely let me know. Uh, I am going to spend the next minute or two sipping on this coffee and saying what's up to chat. Good morning, everybody. How are you, Marco? Michael Starnes, good to see you. Thank you. Thank you for those kind words, Michael. Hey, Justin Loken, good to see you. Justin Gold, repping, repping the, the, uh, the, uh, well, I guess what state are we, Justin? I don't know. I was going to say the upstate Midlands PD low country, but um, I'm not sure what South Carolina is actually called. Should know that. Hey, Dem and Shea Galloway, Ryan Spishock, Amanda Boo, Tony MBA. Haven't seen you in a minute. It's good to see you. Internal strainer coming in from the low country. I mean, the low country. Jeez, man. Coming in from um, the Gold Coast, maybe? Brisbane? Oz, the land of Oz. I guess that's very, very uh, coverage. Hey, Tom Bishop. Good to see you, Patrick Moss. Ms. Julian, it's been a minute since I've seen you in the streams. Good to see you. Hey, China Peacock. Thanks for catching the red versus blue match yesterday. Guys, I really, really enjoyed um, the um, Matt Lee versus Eric Taylor. I got the shoutcast, which was a new, um, new for me. I enjoyed that. I hope you guys did too. Hopefully everybody, Hefty Pegasus, uh, Joseph Allen, B. Cole, hopefully all you guys have had an opportunity to take advantage of that Cyber Mentor practical malware analysis and triage and the practical ethical hacking course, both for $1 right now on TCM Academy. The coupon code is dollar and a dream, all one word. Uh, guys, you can buy it now and take it in six months or a year, even the GRC course, uh, but many of you have already taken that. The GRC Analyst Masterclass, that's a dollar right now. All three of those are a dollar through August 22nd. Super pumped. Great, great response from the community. Tons of people digging in. I had uh, some marketing people reach out to me yesterday and ask me about those three classes for a company that I've worked with in the past. And that, you know, they're like, would it help us? I'm like, yeah, yes, it would. Even if you don't become a malware analyst, when you're talking to practitioners, wouldn't it be nice to know what you're talking about? Like, I mean, it's great. It's great. Hey, what's up, CCN? Thanks for the kind words. Randy Hamilton, adios is great. Justin Gold, most deaf. Love it, love it, love it. Hopefully the audio is... Oh, oh yeah, thank you. Yeah, guys. Oh, hey, and I'll tell you this one little thing. This is fun for the... Um... Oh, hey, Marcia, I hope that interview went good. I know you had that job interview yesterday. Hope it went good. Guys, I'll tell you one more production thing, and then we're off and rolling. I spent like probably 30 minutes last night, 45 minutes, researching def different stream packages. Guys, I've got the machine. I got the rig now to be able to do big things. I'm going YOLO and I'm going to I'm gonna step out of Restream and I'm going to produce my own thing. So we're going to have a lot more opportunities to do fun stuff. Like when someone joins the squad, I don't need to you know, push a button or whatever. We can have animated stuff on the screen. We can have, you know, like whatever. We could have even me pop up and do one of the sound effects that Base Case has clipped over the uh, previous months of me making manual sound effects. Whatever we want, it's our decision. But now we're not, we're not hindered by uh, hardware capability. Like I've eliminated all those barriers, so the audio is going to be tight. And then I'm going to start working on the visual production. It's going to be sick. Okay, but but this won't happen until after I get this weekly email blast on how you can operationalize for end users, peers, and executives, the news that we cover in this stream. So, but I'm almost done with that project. All right, guys, that's going to uh, do it for the intros. I can't wait, guys. Super pumped uh, for today's stories. Let's, uh, oh my gosh, hold on. <laughs> hold on.
I got so excited. I forgot one one critical thing. The uh, the podcast. Uh, I saw Jeremy Williams join the squad. Jeremy, thank you for joining the squad. Definitely appreciate that. All right, let me let me pull up. Uh, let me pull up the podcast here. Here we go. From the CISO. All right, there we go. Let's do it. Series. It's cybersecurity headlines. It's Thursday, August 18th, 2022. PyPy packages turned installed apps to backdoors. Security researchers at Sneak discovered a dozen malicious packages in the Python package index that could turn a Discord client into a backdoor to steal data from browsers and other apps. The packages were uploaded on August 1st by a user named Scary Coder. Rather than typical typo squatting, the packages appeared to be useful software tools. Once All right, hold on. I'm getting some information here that the podcast is too low. BSEC, is this true? And and it's not that Sasha, I'm not, I'm not in Gary. I'm not saying you're not right. It's just I want to, I want to <clears throat> make sure that it's it's not too loud. It's it's low for the masses, and it's not just need to be turned up on your end. Give me one second. I'm getting mod confirmation. It's a little low. Turn it up. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna give this a shot. Um, hold on. Come on, man. There we go. Let's here. Tell, tell, I pushed the button that says system. You guys tell me. Ready? Python package index that could turn a Discord client into a backdoor to steal data from browsers and other apps. The packages were uploaded on August 1st by a user named Scary Coder. Rather than typical typo squatting, the packages appeared to be useful software tools. Once installed, the malicious packages could exfiltrate stored browser passwords, cookies, and search history. It would also modify the JavaScript used by Discord to inject a full backdoor. As of this writing, the packages are still available on PyPy. Okay, cool. So, Project- listen, I, I will say uh, two things. One, I never, I 99% of the time, I never look at these stories in advance, okay? I do have to open all the tabs. That's like my prep work for the show. But I saw a malicious PyPy package, and I was like, dude, we just talked about PyPy package issues um, yesterday or the day before. So I did go back and look. I then I gave a comment on PyPy packages, and I was like, I, I, like, I know what these things are, but I, just to refresh. So I looked for 30 seconds at PyPy packages just to remember, and now I can deliver a little bit more valuable information to you guys right here, okay? Um, so I just, you know, in full transparency, no one's ever like claiming that I do show prep or whatever for these news stories but i whatever i'm very transparent okay uh about what i do here so malicious PyPy package turned into discord guys PyPy packages is basically if you've ever used pip to install python packages right which many of us do and if you're just a like a point and click windows user that's fine no big deal but if you're running python if you're dev and you're running python um which a lot of us do because python's wicked agile and fast and a lot of people write tools in python and you can you can cobble things together quickly in python a great language if you are going to like lean into learning a language for cybersecurity, i would argue python's a great one uh obviously powershell is a good one to know too but that's not really a programming language okay i digress so if you're in like basically no one's writing python code from scratch right most times you're pulling in modules that other people have developed in order to have a rapid functionality to whatever you're trying to do. For example, um, when I wrote a a Python program to 
download this show and then upload it to the podcast app of choice. You know, I wasn't writing networking modules and stuff like that, or, or, you know, ripping MP3s from MP4 modules. Like I, I literally would look through Python, PyPy, right. And try to find it. So here's the deal. PyPy, think of it as like a library and you can go to the library and take books out and, re, you know, use the knowledge in them. You use pip to do that. So if you are using pip, which many of us may be, you must be careful because these malicious packages are there. If you use pip, it doesn't mean you're pulling these packages down. It just means that for every like 50 books in the library, one of the books, when you open it up, is going to like spring a viper at you and just like, you know, bite you in the face and the neck and stuff like that. And you're just not going to want to get snake bit like that. Okay. So that's what's going on. It, it does um, suck, <laughs> frankly, that you do not have the ability really to test whether or not a, a, a package you pull down from PIP uh, is malicious or not. Um, no one's doing that level of effort. Uh, I will say that it's it's very common, at least in the way that I do it, and I think I'm pretty basic. Um, it's pretty common to like Google for st like some functionality. Here it is. Then you do PIP install and then you know blah, like whatever that python library is right and if it works it works and if it doesn't you just keep going on no one's uninstalling pip libraries right so once this thing gets into your your system kind of sucks um i'm not surprised the other one on monday or tuesday was a crypto miner this one is basically an info stealer trying to um steal content from discord and oh by the way turn discord into a backdoor client which means people can jump into your box that you do not want up in your box Okay, so I guess all I would say here is personally, if you are using Python to dev and stuff like that, be mindful of these libraries. If you have R&D people, software engineers, whatever, um, it's kind of a niche set of end users, but you may want to make them mindful that there are malicious packages in PIP or PyPy package. Um, but you know, the thing is, this is a really difficult one to correct because you can make an engineer aware right? I, I am a cyber practitioner. I know better. And I'm telling you, I would still just do pip install because there's no way, there's no easy way for me to be able to say like, oh, this, this package is malicious or not malicious, right? So it does bear the question of what kind of responsibility does PyPy have to validate or check or walled garden the way Apple does the packages that are uploaded? Probably none, honestly, because it's not like they're for profit, right? You don't pay anything to use PyPy. So why, like, why would they invest in that? It is a righteous kind of mission to make sure that malicious packages aren't up in there. But you know, it you know, it's 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 one of the risks of open source, frankly, and having anybody uh, be able to upload anything to the, the system. Sugarbush targets Israeli shipping. According to a new report from Mandiant, the Persian-speaking group UNC3890 currently operates a campaign using email-born social engineering lures. This leads victim to a watering hole at a login page of a legitimate Israeli shipping company. It's also been seen targeting industries from healthcare to energy with the same approach, spoofing services from Office 365 to LinkedIn and Facebook. Once an organization is compromised, the group drops a backdoor called Sugarbush that enables a reverse shell over TCP to a hard-coded C2 server. A malware called Sugardump then harvests browser credentials and email data. The group has been in operation since 2020. While the group almost certainly operates out of Iran, Mandiant lacks evidence to say if it's state-based. Okay, so a couple things here to note. Okay, uh, first and foremost, this is more from a industry uh, perspective. So if you know, you know, and if you don't, well, now you know, okay? 
um, Mandiant, all the different kind of like major players in the space, like Cisco Talos and Mandiant and all these, like they have their own naming convention. And unfortunately, it's part of marketing and market branding. Unfortunately, we don't have a standard the way like Mitre Attack is a standard. We don't have a standard for naming these threat actors, which totally sucks because, you know, like Cozy Bear and then, you know, like, you know, I don't know, uh, Polarium or what, like, like the, you'd be talking about the same threat actor, but it sounds like two different ones. So you'll always see like, you know, Lazarus, AKA APT 41, AKA like, and I know Lazarus isn't 41. So please don't blow me up in chat. I think they're APT 29. What I wanted to tell you is one of the conventions that Mandiant uses is UNC, right? I don't know if you guys can see this, but we always say APT, right? But Mandiant, Mandian is the one that does say APT. Mandian owns FireEye and FireEye does like, you know, Sleeping Viper and, you know, Cozy Panda and all this other stuff like that. But if they don't know, this is what I want you to take away. If you don't know or they are unable to definitively say that it is, you know, equation group or it's definitively not or it definitively is APT 41, right? Like if they can't say that, but they have inklings of it, they will give it this designation UNC. And it's like unknown um, criminal or something like that, or unknown actor. I, I forget what it is, but think of it as like APT light. Like they've got enough intel to begin piecing together different operations to the same threat actor, but they're unable to tell if the threat actor is a well-defined APT, if it is state-sponsored, what it is okay so think of it as like low confidence on who it is but they have high confidence in all the operations that the unk is doing okay so if you i just want you to know because i hate i hate i hate i hate the naming convention that the, the security vendor industry uses for labeling these threat actors because it's a hot mess on fire and it pisses me off but it took me a while to figure out what this unk thing was i actually had to speak to someone at FireEye to get clarification on that so just just know that that's what that is okay now, the next thing, um, this is basic. They said it's Persian-born, so they believe it's Iranian in nature, which it probably is. Iran is a really good, um, you know, they have APT capabilities, right? Um, nothing too crazy here. It, it's a social engineering phishing lure, takes you to a webpage that is a, a ripoff of an existing webpage, probably like an Office 365 login page. It's wicked trivial, guys, to make a login page that's malicious look legit, okay? Like Dave Kennedy's social engineering toolkit can do it in like 15 seconds, all right? So if you if you have a Cali box, look at set, S-E-T, right? Set is the tool. You can rip, you can do, I do a demo for my students all the time. Like we, next Thursday, it's like one of the first things I do is like, here's how you fish Facebook creds, like period, end of story. Any questions? All right, and then I drop a mic and tell them I'll see them on Tuesday. Okay. So, um, you know, the, the, the attack that this Iranian born group is doing isn't too crazy. Um, it sounds like they are targeting, um, it, I think it said Israeli based things. So if you're in the United States, not, not too crazy, but they are targeting healthcare and energy, uh, and shipping. So if you're working in those industries, BSEC, for example, you may want to be mindful. The one, the one thing I'll say about this before I go on, yes, it's an info stealer. Yes, it sucks. Um, you know, to get infected by this, but they said it had a hard-coded C2 and uh, server that it goes to. Guys, hard-coded means wicked easy to put an ACL in place or a firewall rule or whatever and just block it. 
So whether it's hard-coded IP or hard-coded domain name, I don't care. It's wicked. Like hard-coded is dumb. Like it's, it's, I mean, it is what it is, but it, it's very, it's very easy. It's the bottom of the Bianco's pyramid of pain. Uh, so, yep. So just be mindful of that. If you're working in these industries, you may want to take a second and grab the IOCs or the indicators of compromise for this particular attack. Um, especially if you're in, you know, Europe, basically, right? This doesn't seem to be, you know, U.S. focused or not, or Australia. For my internal stranger friend, Red Alpha ramps up phishing efforts. According to a new report from Recorded Futures' Inskit Group, the China-based APT Red Alpha specializes in mass credential harvesting through phishing emails pointing to fake login pages. Sound familiar? The group specializes in gathering intel of global humanitarian organizations like Amnesty International, the International Federation for Human Rights, and the American Institute in Taiwan. Operations for the group began as far back as 2015, but 2021 saw a big spike for the group, operating at least 350 domains. The researchers further saw these efforts as targeting ethnic and religious minorities in China. While it maintains a large operational infrastructure, security experts say it uses a fairly standard phishing playbook. Yep. Okay, so uh, two things really quickly. Uh, okay, so first of all, just to echo what, what I just said about all these different stupid names, look, Red Alpha, a.k.a. Deep Cliff, AKA Red Dev 3, right? That's one one APT group, three names, right? And that's probably just three names all by what whoever this group is that's that's naming them. I think recorded future maybe. So this is annoying. This could be like, you know, firecracker panda or whatever if it was Mandy and talking about it. It it just it again it just pisses me off because like now when I'm talking to a peer. Or like, I'm like, oh, hey, Eric Taylor, like, you know, do you have any, you think anything about this? And it's like, we might not be talking about the same thing, or maybe we are talking about the same thing and we're sharing it as like two different APTs. It's freaking annoying. Can we please, can we please get a standard? Like I get the marketing team wants it, but can we, here's my thing. Like how about every company gets their own name, but then it says AKA and then like some miter attack to find APT designation. Like, can we do that? Like, ugh, whatever, like yelling into the void here. Okay, so here's the thing that I also want to point out, okay? Um, this particular APT, if you, if you think, like, I'll give, I'll give credit where credit's due as far as, like, nation-state organization. I love organization, guys. I don't know if you know this. I love structure. I love predictability. I love a good project plan and execution on that project plan. If you look at the way that the nation-state threat actors operate, they typically compartmentalize their cyber capabilities. And frankly, I love it. I think it's brilliant. Um, as disgusting as it is of what they're doing, I do love the compartmentalization of it. Like, you know, hat tip to whoever's running the show, okay? For example, North Korea, they are really good cyber capabilities, right? But they have one group that spies on citizens internally. So it's like their domestic spy force. They have one group that spies on their adversaries. Think of it as their, you know, international spy force, right? So like same functionality, just two different targets. Then they have a third one, Lazarus Group, that's really good at stealing money. This is how they fund their regime. This is how they fund their, their country, right? They don't have major exports or imports. They're sanctioned by most countries. So how do they run their country? They steal money, okay? And like and lots of it too, like millions and millions and millions. Like they're really good at 
excuse me, they're really good at it. Okay. But each one has their own thing. China, same thing. So it's interesting. I hadn't heard about this one, but it's interesting. If you think about what China's doing, um, okay, so again, this is not a political show. These views are mine. Please, you know, whatever. Just like, and I'm not a geopolitical correspondent with like tons of experience. I'm just a cyber nerd who does cyber stuff. Okay. So if you look at China, they are definitely a first world power. But if you look at the way that they've broken up their stuff, they've got, you know, internal, they've got external, they've got military capability. And this one's interesting because China is this authoritative regime and they have certain pockets that are kind of not, you know, getting down with the cause, not getting down with the, with the mainstream, they're swimming, they're swimming upstream. Okay. So Taiwan, China says that they're a state of China. Taiwan says they're their own country. Tibet, there's the whole thing there with the Dalai Lama and all that. Okay, like I don't even want to get into that. And then three, the the Uyghur population in the northwest of China are basically Muslims. And th there's like, I mean, there's being reported, right? I don't know. I haven't been there. Like alleged wild, wild stuff, like, 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 like genocide type level stuff going on up in that population. Allegedly, it's being reported. And, and like, you know, education camps and, and taking kids away from parents to educate them on why their parents are wrong and stuff like that. Like hor horrible things are going on up there. So anyways, there is an APT group in China who is essentially, I don't want to call them ideologically focused, but they're acting as if they're ideologically focused in that they're targeting these groups of people to understand how these groups of people are operating. So A, probably so they can find leaders within those pockets of groups. B, you know, control information around those pockets of groups and ultimately operate a mission where the objective is to um, not absorb, but acclimate, assimilate. That's probably the best word. Assimilate those populations fully into the mainland China. That That's definitely the end goal. And China, I'll give China this too, man. China, they're like, how long is it going to take? It's going to take 40 years, sir. All right, fine. Let's do it. Like, 40 years, no big deal. Like, no problem. Let's go. Like, like time is not something that they care about as far as executing on wide mission. Uh, so, okay. So anyways, long story short, nation state threat actors will compartmentalize their APT functions or their cyber capabilities to have very singularly focused mission objectives. Meta and TikTok prep for the midterm elections. Meta will disable new political, electoral, and social issue ads during the week prior to the November 8th U.S. midterm elections. Ads running prior to that week will continue to run, but Meta will disable most edits during that window. Meta will continue its policy of not allowing posts or ads that misrepresent details of the voting process or spreading misinformation on the outcome of an election. Meanwhile, TikTok went live with its midterms election center in the U.S. It's offered an election center in other countries in the past. This provides state-by-state -state voter registration information, vote-by-mail instructions, and polling place locations using information from the National Association of Secretaries of State. TikTok partnered with Ballotpedia to display candidates on local ballots, and election results will be displayed from the Associated Press. All right. Well, we'll see how this goes. I mean, I, I appreciate... Whoops. I do appreciate that, um, you know, we, we're moving forward in a way we're moving forward in a way that social media platforms do recognize that they have an incredible level of power and influence over individuals. And, you know, before you, 
before you say something like, oh, like that can't affect me. Like you got to remember, guys, it's like if you're if you're really, really strong Republican, you're probably going to vote Republican. If you're really strong liberal or Democrat, you're going to vote Democrat. Right. But in the middle, there is this population of people that are actually you know, trying to understand, like, they're not, they're not voting party lines, right? They're trying to understand the issues, the candidates, you know, what's best for me, what's best for my family, all that. Right. And that's the population that you can target for influence because they're trying to gather information to make an informed decision. And, you know, they go to these social media platforms to engage in public discourse. Right. So long story short, I'm glad to hear that Meta and TikTok um, you know, I didn't hear Twitter in there, but in Twitter's, you know, pretty popular for this type of thing, uh, are going to be trying to make an effort to control um, edits and misinformation and all this stuff. We'll see how it goes. I mean, this is, I feel like this is a half measure. Like, yeah, they're, they're going to try to do it, but like, dude, they said they're going to stop a week before, right? So, you know, if I was a think tank company, I would just ramp up two weeks before and really drive it for a week, get that, get everybody all frothed up for a week or find hashtags to get through the filter or find ways to communicate that bypass. Um, Cause these controls, it's not like, it's not like they're shutting the platform down for a week, right? They're putting in what they think are the controls to get around it. I think this is like trying to hold back. This is like trying to hold water in a colander or, or you know, like a, or a pasta strainer, like, it's going to hold some, but there's going to be tons of ways to get through it. Uh, so we'll see. I guarantee you this will be a top news story. Uh, and I'll I'll eat humble pie if I'm completely wrong and this is able to shut it all down. But there's just too much too much power, too much you know desire to control the information flow um, that I really think that it's going to be bypassed. Okay. Internal Stranger asks a great question before I go on to the, the, the 32nd read. Uh, who gets to control what misinformation is 100% right. So again, we're asking, we're not asking. Big tech is saying that they're going to stifle certain messaging and they're going, I don't want to say they're going to amplify, but they have all the ability in the world to amplify certain messaging, right? They control the algorithm on the back end. The feed that you see when you open your app, it, it was curated for you based on a very com complicated algorithm, right? And pulling the dials that, you know, the, 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 the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain can adjust the dials or tweak the dials based on what they think is right. And by the way, let's all be real for a second. They are for-profit companies. So if the Wizard of Oz was righteous and altruistic and was turning the dials for the greater good of public consumption and everything, yeah, that'd be one thing, but they're for-profit, right? So it's, it's very, very, very obvious, right? It's very easy to make the micro-step uh, leap to the conclusion that, you know, if someone dumps a $2 million in my back pocket while I'm turning the dials and they're like, hey, turn the right dial a little bit more, I'd be like, right? Because I'm still operating within the boundaries of my ethical uh, framework, right? I'm not, I'm not shutting off the left dial. I'm just amping up the right dial. And oh, by the way, my pockets are full of cash now. Cash money, homie. Great cash, homie. All right. Thank you, Randy. Hopefully Kimberly's in here. She always she always enjoys the Randy Moss. All right, let's do the 30-second read. And now thanks to this week's sponsor, Six Clicks. Manage the full assessment lifecycle and get your business audit ready more easily than ever using Six Clicks. 
identify overlap from complicated audits and assessments with other standards and frameworks using Haley AI to streamline compliance with multiple audit requirements. With built-in content, organizations can get started on their audit and assessments faster than ever before. For more information, visit sixclicks.com slash CISO series. All right, they've got AI rolling in that tool. So there we go, guys. I want to take a minute while we're doing the read here uh, to let everybody know about Wild West Hackenfest. Uh, Black Hills Anti-Siphon, they don't know that I'm doing this, but I'm doing it. Um, this conference is October 12th through 14th. It is in Deadwood, South Dakota, which means uh, there's no there's no direct flight uh, from here to there. Although I think I'm routing through Dallas. I will be there. I will be speaking there uh, on a GRC topic, guys. I have, I have embraced that I'm, I am GRC guy. <laughs> I've embraced it. Okay. Um, so I'll be giving a talk on GRC keynotes from Alyssa Miller and John Hammond. Uh, there's a steak dinner for attendees, which I think is wild. Um, uh, it's going to be cool. I'm looking forward to it. I just wanted to make everyone aware. Uh, if you do have the opportunity to go, if maybe you didn't get to go to black hat, um, because of budget reasons or whatever, and the budgets reset or, you know, your boss is like, you know, hey, like, wish I should have sent you to Black Hat. My bad. And it's like, well, here, you can make it right. Send me to Wild West Hackenfest. I, no one has said this to me, but I've got the vibe. I, got, I was thinking about this in the shower this morning. Like, I got the vibe that it's like DerbyCon, which Dave Kennedy was running DerbyCon, uh, I think in Alabama, and then it like blew up. Or I don't know the, the story behind it, but like DerbyCon's over um, for reasons. And Wild West Hackenfest popped up. John Strand is the is the cultural identity of Black Hills Information Security, and he's a really great guy, very much a community giver. Um, that attitude permeates through the entire organization. This is their conference. Uh, it's been going on for a few years. I haven't attended it personally. Uh, thank you. It was in Louisville, but I am excited about this. I just wanted to make you guys aware. I don't, I don't, I don't know what registration details are. I'll drop a link in chat right now. Um, to the event. But if you guys are looking for what I would consider a pretty cool conference uh, and you want to attend, um, this is going to be a good one, mid-October. Plus, I'll be there so we can high-five if you're into high-fives. Okay, here we go. North Korean hackers lure job seekers. Security researchers at ESET report that the Lazarus Group used a signed malicious executable for macOS in an effort to impersonate Coinbase. The attackers send employees and financial services fake job offers with a malicious PDF of claimed job offer details attached. The PDF loads a DLL to let the threat actor send commands to the device. Apple signed the malware on July 21st and did not revoke the certificate as of August 12th. However, it appears the C2 malware went dark. Google to shut. Okay, so like I just said a minute ago, Lazarus Group is North Korea's um cash money homie <laughs> north korea lazarus group is very very good at stealing money for north korea um bangladeshi bank heist they tried to steal a billion dollars they just recently successfully uh stole 600 million dollars from axie infinity um the ronin bridge which by the way doing my metaverse research they're like one of the biggest metaverse platforms um, to the point where they took a $600 million bath and they just kept on marching. No big deal. Um, it looks like this sucks, man. If you're looking for a job and Lazarus Group sends you a fake job offer, 
Um, the thing is, uh, not job offer, but like, you know, uh, job opportunity. Um, this is different from their playbook. Okay. Typically, I'm going to make a, okay, I'm going to make an educated guess on this. All right. Because this is definitely different than Lazarus Group's typical MO. And I, I have a speculation on why. Okay. So they're sending the offer to people who want to work in crypto. Uh, if I had to guess, it would be because they're thinking that those individuals have access to cryptocurrency and that they can ultimately see a Lazarus group isn't trying to like fish creds um, of individuals because they want to like check out their D pics in their phone, right? Like that's not Lazarus group's MO. The only thing I can think of is that Lazarus group is targeting people who are actively working in fintech um, and, and saying, hey, like you work at Binance. Hey, you work at Robinhood. Why don't you come to Coinbase? It would seem logical um, because the candidate would already be working in that space uh, for them to consider a job opportunity, right? Like you're you're there, it's a good fit, et cetera. Um, but then the idea is that you open that at work, you open that on a computer that's VPN back into the corporate ne uh, internal network. And now Lazarus Group has got their teeth sunk into a Binance or a Robinhood or one of these. That's the only explanation that I can possibly get for this one because, again, Lazarus Group, they're like, when I say big game hunting, I'm talking like 40 point bucks, right? Like, like mutant level bucks, big game hunting. They are not targeting Carl. They're not like, <laughs> like Carl is not Lazarus Group's target, right? So this is, this is what I think is happening here. Um, again, this one's a tough one to defend against, guys. You get a PDF. Most people, when they get like something about a job and they're like a job offer or job opportunity, and they're searching or looking at work, they're immediately going to be very secretive, very discreet. They're going to go in the parking lot to have the phone call. They're going to open it on their phone, maybe in the bathroom or something like that. Like if they're being super shady, like so, you natively already have the individual kind of being closed kimono. Uh, which you know obviously could lead to issues. So uh, I think that there's a bigger play here. You know, I, I don't know. Without having to look into this one, I don't know if opening the PDF gives you some type of like, hey, you're about to run code type command or, or warning or something like that. But again, guys, I know it's boring, but the boring stuff is what works, right? So EDR, um, keep your keep your apps up to date. Um, again, I don't know like how this like what what does this actually exploit from a PDF perspective? Um, that that's kind of the confusing thing to me. Um, displays a decoy PDF and loads a malicious DLL. Yeah. So the fact that it loads a malicious DLL, like I don't understand. Like, is Adobe is Adobe Reader just install? I, I feel like it. Like whatever the application is, it doesn't say it in the story, but like whatever the application is, that's what needs to have access to load a DLL. So, um, you know, we'll see. Again, this is a tough one to defend, which is no surprise, right? Lazarus Group is a, uh, you know, <laughs> Lazarus Group is like the A team. Like they're they're the platinum package. They're the high roller dogs, right? They're they're very very good. IoT core service. Google abruptly shutting down consumer-focused services is nothing new. In fact, it's something of an internet meme unto itself. Just go to killedbygoogle.com. But shutting down enterprise-focused services is still relatively novel for the company. This week, Google Cloud informed customers it will shut down its IoT core service in August 2023. 
Customers have a year to transition, with Google saying it worked extensively to provide customers with migration options. Azure and AWS both maintain similar cloud services for managing and inspecting IoT device data. All right. Well, you know what? When you're a $100 billion company or whatever Google is, they can they can afford to take a couple swings and misses. Um, you know, IoT is a, is a bit of a problem. Um, you know, there isn't much of a story here, right? Google IoT, right? So if you're using it, you've got 12 months to migrate off, which basically means you'll, <laughs> with all due respect, which basically means you'll wait 11 months and then <clears throat> freak out and then rush, rush, rush for two weeks and then uh, see what then ha- then try to continue to operate in a uh, debilitated capacity after they shut it down. And then ultimately you'll be forced to migrate off because it'll no longer be there. Um, that's not a judgment on anyone who's in this call right now. It's just a reality. Um, people, you know, I've seen so many systems persist long after they were decommissioned because of reasons, right? Oh, we need to keep it so we can access it just in case. Oh, there's a couple like scripts that interface with it that we don't know how to like turn off or like I've literally seen one where and this is, you know, m- morbid, but it's true. Um, a guy a guy died basically, but he was logged in and he had the script running and no one knew like what would happen if they shut it down. So they couldn't. <laughs> it had to do with the financial back end of uh, the company I was at, which I've worked at many companies, so I'm not naming names, but they, they they literally didn't know what would happen. So they just let it continue to run. And like, basically you weren't allowed to touch that, which by the way, huge red flag, huge cyber risk. Um, I, I'm glad I didn't, I'm glad, I'm glad, uh, you know, I don't deal with that. Um, but anyways, these things happen. So Google IOT, uh, they did say killed by google.com, which I think is kind of fun. I didn't know about this. I might have to follow killed by Google on Twitter. Um, it's a, a trip down memory lane, right? Google Hangouts, Google Chrome Apps, Google Chat-based Fitbit Coach. Uh, there's things in here I never even knew about. The only one I remember is, I guess, Google Plus. Was Is Google Plus like that half-hearted attempt they made at like a social media platform? You guys remember that? It had like circles. You could like... You could have like friends in a circle or something like that. I don't remember. Whatever. Regulators investigating banks over encrypted messaging. Bloomberg sources say the Securities and Exchange Commission and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission found that investigations into the communication of banks around market manipulation were stymied by the use of encrypted communications outside of official channels. The SEC initially investigated the practice at J.P. Morgan Chase in April 2021 before expanding it into an industry-wide probe. J.P. Morgan Chase agreed in December it would pay $200 million in penalties to the two regulators. Goldman Sachs and Barclays are expected to be hit with similar fines, with 10 banks expected to pay about $2 billion combined. Yeah. Microsoft. Imagine that. Imagine that. Okay, guys. Like, this is so, like... (sighs) Money corrupts, man. Money, money corrupts not as much as power. Power corrupts absolutely, but money corrupts pretty badly too. So here's the deal: um, the people who control money flows and big, big money, right? Investment bankers, the banks, etc. The people who are wicked wealthy. Guess what? Surprise! They want to stay wicked wealthy. There, there is a massive uh, separation between the the wealthy one percent and the rest of us. 
But the SEC, the Security Exchange Commission, they are in place to ensure that these these businesses and these banks and everything operate on a level playing field and that it's, you know, like we as mere mortals are able to operate with safety and protections uh, and transparency, right? Like a perfect example, like look at what happened to Enron and Tyco years ago, like mid 2000s, they were screwing everybody over. SEC, you know, came in. So actually developed legislation um, along with uh, the legislative branch for Sarbanes-Oxley. But anyways, here's the point. All these apps now are offering protection and communication. And listen, privacy is a big thing and, and for good reason. But the government does need oversight on how these things are operating. And these individuals were using apps like WhatsApp that in, ensured encrypted communication. So now you're operating knowingly in engaging in nefarious business practices in order to exchange you know, ideas, actions, communications on upcoming uh, developments like, oh, this product's going to IPO or, hey, you know, the, um, what is it? The, the, the movie Trading Places, uh, great, great classic click, Eddie Murphy, um, Dan Aykroyd, check it out. It's funny. Um, the, the, you know, like if you know what the earnings report is for a company or for oranges, before the report comes out, you can make a play on the investment, right? So if you know, like, like, listen, if you knew that the housing market was going to go gangbusters this last six months or 12 months, right? Maybe you would have invested heavily into, you know, real estate or whatever, right? Like you have advanced knowledge. So you're able to manipulate the market, which is not fair because the market is supposed to be even. So everybody has the same advantages, right? So that's what the problem is. These individuals are abusing these privacy messaging apps in order to exchange ideas and basically, honestly, make money for themselves at the expense of us, <laughs> lack of a better term, right? So they're being fined significantly. Um, I don't know if uh, they're going to get um, fired from their jobs. Probably not, honestly. Uh, unless the SEC says that you cannot work here anymore, you cannot employ this person anymore, because realistically, this this nefarious business is probably resulting in really great metrics for those individuals and the businesses they represent. So long story short, guys, uh, privacy mechanisms, they can be abused for nefarious purposes, no big deal, which by the way, is typically the argument made by law enforcement on why surveillance state is a good idea, right? Um, Fully private all the way to the right on privacy means that you there's no government oversight, there's no transparency, there's nothing. You can operate wicked illegally all the time. The other end of the spectrum is surveillance state. The government sees everything all the time. And you know what? There's no crime in this one because they see everything. But at the same time, no one wants to live in a 100% surveillance state, aka 1984, right? Orwellian. So there's a balance in between in the middle. But you know things like this, unfortunately aren't aren't good for uh making an argument for privacy office mail scam cybersecurity consultant martin Pittman received a call from his mother letting him know that a neighbor had received what appeared to be an office 365 product in the mail with a usb stick to install the productivity suite the retired man didn't seem to be a high value target the stick included fairly high quality packaging you'll never guess but plugging in the stick immediately showed a message that the computer had a virus providing a toll-free number to call for supposed technical help once on the phone the phony support person directed the victim to install team viewer 
Microsoft told Sky News it launched an investigation into the package. While these types of support schemes are extremely common, it's more than a little unusual for an attacker to go to the expense of mailing out USB sticks. We yeah, you know what, though? Like, okay, so a couple things. One, this one, this one, I'll tell you right now, you know, for my weekly blast that I'm talking about, this is the story for the end user, okay? This is because this is very, very easy for them to digest and it, it indicates a pivot in the attack vector of threat actors. Now, listen, I, I consider this like the lowest tier of cyber threat actor, basically the pop-up scam where they trick you into calling a call center and then they get you to install TeamViewer. There's no malware really here. The, the pop-up is is as malicious as it gets because TeamViewer, this remote access application that they use, is used by everybody and it's not a big deal. It, it They socially engineer the victim at the afterwards because like there's tons of people on YouTube who, who like scam bait and stuff like that. Um, I mean, dude, they're literally opening like a terminal shell and typing like move money to whatever enter. And then it says like command not found because what they're typing is total garbage. But unfortunately, the victims often elderly, uh, they don't know any different. They just see a black screen and they're like, oh, this is this isn't good. This isn't magic. Now, the interesting pivot is typically it's just a pop up. But as people have gotten more um savvy more educated this type of scam has been shared made aware knowledge shared right i've been telling my end users for for probably a year and a half two years about this pop-up kind of unfortunately it's typically india uh call centers right so they they're starting to get the branding but it doesn't have to be india right like we've seen um threat actors in africa also operate these kind of scams the problem with, I mean, the pivot with this one is it costs money to produce the box, to produce the USB key, to pay for the shipping, um, to to get um, a list of appropriate targets and victims, right? So now the threat actors are investing a little bit more capital into the operation. Um, but you know what? If you get a, a thing in the mail and you don't know about not plugging USB devices in, um, you know, why wouldn't you? Now, it is a little alarming that the second you plug it in, it's like virus. Like, wouldn't you make the connection? that like I put this thing in and now I have a problem like this thing must be the problem okay again there's different levels of education different levels of awareness and you know it can be scary if you don't if you're not familiar with all these things uh, and fall victim so definitely share this with your loved ones and with your end users as far as this attack vector uh get the word out um it's it 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 sickens me. I get a call like probably once a month from somebody who is asking for assistance, either like, you know, like directly themselves because they've got the pop up in the call center thing, or uh, someone has contacted me on behalf of someone and said, Hey, this, 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 this victim has got victimized. Like, wh what can we do? And, you know, then you have to walk through it. Like, how far along are they? Have they, have they bought the gift cards? Like, all these things. It totally, totally sucks. Uh, but, Long story short, threat actors are pivoting a little bit and investing in their their trade craft. <sighs> By the way, this is a classic red team attack. Typically, they don't mail you Microsoft Office Plus, but the, you can drop USBs in the parking lot. You can put nudes on the USB. You can put crypto wallet on the USB. People will plug it in. Carl, drop a Carl emote if you're a squad member. Carl will plug it in all the time. And you, you can bypass a lot of... Uh, defenses that way. EDR should catch it though.
cover a lot of breaches on cybersecurity headlines. With this, we'll talk about the impact to organizations and... All right, so that that's that. I would turn my music back on, but we all know what's going to happen if I do that, right? <laughs> Should I? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Okay, here we go. I'm going to do it, and then you guys are going to tell me my audio is booty, and then I'm going to turn it off, and then we'll we'll continue on. Okay, so I've turned it on. There we go. Guys, hopefully my audio my audio is good. Um, I want to remind everybody, uh, <laughs> full send, send it down range. Okay, listen, guys, I want to remind all of you that today is Thursday, which means it's Simply Cyber Live Thursday. We're back at it, y'all. I tried. I tried. I tried. Guys, I'm telling you right now, it's definitely something to do with Restream. And they're, they're like 99% of people who are using Restream aren't pushing it through all this, this gear I got here. It's, they're just like a Zoom call. So Restream's doing all it can to like clean up audio and do all these other things. And I think I'm the anomaly. I'm the fringe case where Restream's like, whoa, what do we, like, who? What? What are we doing here? That's what I'm doing with Restream. As soon as I get this uh, OBS set up, I'm going to, I'm going to yeet it right out the door. You feel me? Pamela knows what I'm talking about. Okay, guys. So it's Thursday. It's Simply Cyber Live. I got a banger today. Hey, Marco. Marco with the squad support. Thank you, Marco. Thank you, Jeremy. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay, guys. Later today, we're doing something a little different on the show today. We are... <laughs> base, base wants to eat Restream. He's told me in person himself, you need to get rid of Restream, my friend. Okay, so check it out. We're doing something a little different today on the channel. I'm super excited. This is Virginia Case. I'd like to introduce you to her. She is a marketing expert. The way I feel about cybersecurity is the way that Virginia feels about marketing. Okay, now why would we bring a marketing person in? Well, guys, two things. One, if you are trying to get a job, like let's boil it down to its it's let's distill it to its essence. Okay. You're marketing yourself. You're trying to sell yourself as an asset to a business. Hey, give me a hundred thousand dollars because I'm gonna deliver value to you 365 days a year. You feel me, minus weekends and holidays, obvs. Now, how do you sell yourself in that way? Virginia's gonna tell us. Oh, maybe you've been around the block a few times and you got a couple, you know, you got a couple skills and you want to moonlight, you want to get a little extra scratch so you can uh, you know, get those new um Air Force Ones or whatever, right? You want to, you want a little a little taste because people are approaching you and they're like, hey, can you help me? And you're like, Yeah, but I don't have a lot of time. They're like, we'll pay you. It's like, well, now you're starting to enter to you're enter into like a weird liability area. You definitely want to get a business, invoice them through the business, but how do you stand up? that side hustle, right? Maybe people aren't approaching you and you just want that little extra cheddar. Our friend Virginia is going to come on and tell us, okay, you stood up the, you hung the shingle outside. Now, how do you get people to look at the shingle? This is, you know, branding that cyber side hustle. So she's going to come on. She's wicked cool. I've been working with her. Um, the reason that Simply Cyber's website got redone is because my first conversation with her, she, <laughs> she's like, Oh, I love what you're doing for the community. Uh, how can I help you? I'm like, well, I think it's pretty good. You know what's going on? She's like, well, let's take a look at your website. And, I'm, and she's like, oh dear. Um, may I offer some constructive criticism? <laughs> and now the new website is a direct byproduct of the conversations I've had with Virginia. So she knows what she's doing. She's wicked good. 
Um, I, I spent, I had a meeting with her in, in Vegas at Black Hat. That was really cool. She, she's cool people. She's good people. It's going to be a great conversation. I know that you will get value in some capacity. Each of you, where you are in your career journey, um, there's going to be applicable value here for each of us. So by the way, it's Simply Cyber Live. So it's super chill. You guys are part of the conversation. It's good times. It's the kickoff to the college weekend. It's how we roll, right? So that's going to, yeah, Joel Belton, he, he sucks at selling himself, right? No, no big deal. Virginia, hey, Joel, when Virginia's done with you, you'll be able to sell ketchup popsicles to a woman in white gloves, okay? We'll get you straightened out. Exactly. So, all right. Well, that's going to do it. Where are we on time? 8.57. We're, we're sliding into home three minutes before nine. Nailing it. Guys, I'm going to get this email put together. I definitely in request or ask or, or beg of you, implore you. When I send out this initial blast that you will receive on Monday morning, um, any you know, constructive feedback that I can, that is useful, um, you know, how it's shaped, how it's worded, too long, too short, wish I had called out something else. Um, let me know. Okay. And um, I've already gotten some great feedback from some people who are part of the beta group. I genuinely appreciate that. I'm thinking this will add value. And again, once I get this email up and running, this weekly newsletter, that's basically going to give you three, three pieces of actionable intel One's designed for end users, which is the story with the USB thing I just told you about. One is for your peers and one is for executives. And the idea is here's a little story. Here's a link to where I talked about it last week. And here in bold font is the action for you to take. Straight and simple, right? Tell your executives about this, or you can use this to get budget from your executives or make end users aware of this. Tell them friends and family and loved ones, et cetera. Okay, guys, I think it's going to be a banger. Okay. Do we have any, uh, like, there we go. Get some coins in there. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's episode. If you got value, obviously likes are always appreciated, but more importantly, uh, share this with someone in your community that think would think would get value from a daily cyber threat briefing. It's all about good times in here. The code for the TCM course is dollar and a dream dollar. I'm going to put it in chat right now. So you guys can see it on stream. Dollar and a dream. There it is. You see where it says host? That's where that is. I'll just here really quickly. TCM Academy. Do, do, do. Right here. Practical ethical hacking. The Anubis looking one. $30. Dollar and a dream. $1. Practical malware and analysis. It's kind of like a um, um, Planet of the Apes looking head. $29.99. Dollar and a dream, one dollar. Matt Keeley, you can buy it now and take it next year. You can buy it now and take it in two years. Okay. Also, um, if you're if you're feeling froggy, many of us have already taken this course, but simplycyber.teachable.com. You take my GRC course for a dollar. Um, so there's that. In fact, I don't know. I, I've got to engage the community. I actually talked to Heath yesterday. I might move the GRC course onto the TCM platform. Um, just to to help expose it to more people and and help more people learn about GRC. Uh, everybody who's bought it would your 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 student membership would transfer over there. You wouldn't lose anything. Your certificate would still be valid. Everything about it would impact everybody zero percent, except it would be on the new platform. Something I'm thinking of. That's right, Kimberly. Straight cash, one dollar. That's good through August twenty second, by the way. So don't sleep on this. Don't. I mean, it's a dollar. Like with all due respect, it's a dollar. Don't like 
don't don't do a cost benefit analysis. All right. Um, if you're going to get it, get it. And if not, that's okay. No, no worries. But it's nice to have in the in the stable, if you will. Okay. Thanks, Alicia, for the kind words. What cool look? Well, Dan Reardon, I'll tell you what. Um, that's half. That's half the reason I wanted to do it. I actually talked to Keith like six months ago about my about doing a practical enterprise risk assessment course for his channel or for his platform, and I was excited about the logo. Um, I ended up doing the practical GRC analyst one instead, or I called it GRC analyst masterclass. But, um, anyways, yeah, cool logo would be cool. You can bet your bottom dollar I'd get a shirt with that logo on it and represent. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. If it's GRC, it'll. <laughs> if it's GRC, it might be a clipboard with all this fancy coloring. But you know, it is what it is. All right, guys, it's nine oh one. Thank you very much. I hope you guys all have a wonderful day. It is Thursday. One more day till we get to the weekend. I hope to see all of you at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Simply Cyber channel. But if not, I'll catch you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Be good, everybody. Thank you.